Amen. And Jesus, we are so grateful for your goodness, uh, the goodness of worship together as a church family, just and everything else we get to share here this morning and through the course of any week. And uh, we just look forward to encountering you. And uh, so be with us this morning in your name. Amen. Okay, I'm Pastor Jim. Pastor Bruce was up here a minute doing uh, announcements. You probably thought he was going to preach. And uh, he's not. So uh, I get to. I'm real excited to be able to be here with you again this morning. It's been just a few weeks since I was last here. Um, uh, Bruce and Sharice's oldest son is deployed and was heading home supposedly this weekend, but then he was delayed. So they were going to go meet him. And uh, he'll mention it from time to time, but just, you know, be in prayer uh, for him and, of course, the whole family and everything and uh, what have you. So just grateful for the opportunity to talk to you today in our continuing series about uh, God's wisdom and God's will. And I'm going to try to help you learn how to find and follow God's will. And I don't know about anybody else in the room, but um, I'm, I'm not a frequent um, participator in puzzles, but I like puzzles. Um, you know, when I was a kid, the word search, man, if I could do the word search faster than anybody else in the class, that was a win. That was a bonus. I uh, really love that. Um, I heard a horrible riddle yesterday. A riddle's like a, a, a puzzle, right? Do you want to hear it? It's really bad. You can use it and people will giggle. But um, so what is, uh, what did the turkey have for his cell phone ringer? Wing, 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 wing. That's oh, horrible, right? It's horrible. That's really bad. Um, but a, a certain kind of puzzle that maybe you've seen before um, and, and appreciate, and they're always fun, are like optical illusions. And so I have some. And um, how many of you have seen this one before? And how many of you can see the young lady? How about the old lady? Yes, because the old lady, that's her nose, and that's her mouth, and she's looking down. That's her eye. But then there's the eye of the young lady. You guys got that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that one's really old. It's, it's, it's like made in the 19th century. It's super old. Okay, how about the next one? Uh, call out what you see. A duck or a rabbit. That's hilarious, because you can see both, right? Do you see both? Right? Yeah, it's a, that's a good one. I like that one. Um, so do you guys, has everybody seen it, right? Because those are that rabbit ears. Oh, yeah. How many, how many legs does that elephant have? Yeah. So, but when you, you know, elephants have four legs, so it, it really only has four. But, you know, it's fun when it's an aha moment and, and like rabbit, you, you get it. You, you only, most of you only saw the young lady, if you're being honest. And then you figure out the old lady. This one is a little bit challenging, but it's really fun. Okay, so here, see this box? Can you twist it in your mind? Can you flip it? So for some of you right now, this black is the front. And then for some of you, the front is this green. So you can, you can, you can flip it. And you see it flip, like you kind of turn away and you turn back and it flips. Oh, like, like, and I don't like, like I found these on the internet. Like I used to do these in, uh, when I taught ninth grade Bible at Liberty Christian and you can draw a 3D box. You don't need all the colors and everything and, and just do it with somebody like, you know, 
Go out with friends this week at lunch and fascinate your friends. It's, it's fun. And so like, there's an aha moment in these puzzles. And I think we, we feel like sometimes, um, while that's a lot of fun and we appreciate realizing the aha moment, we feel like sometimes God's will should be similar. That like, there's, there's this major breakthrough that needs to occur in order for me to understand, in order for me to find and follow God's will. And we feel like it's kind of mysterious. And I want you to know, I don't think finding God's will is very much more mysterious than seeing the duck or the rabbit. It's clearly declared in God's word. The New Testament talks about six things that are God's will for your life. Six things that if you are in line with these six things, you're in line with God's will. You have a letter puzzle on your sheet. Uh, It's not an optical illusion. If you know the answer, do not say it. Do not talk about it for the duration of the sermon. How many of you know the answer to this word puzzle? One, two, two, so three, four of us. Four of us know the answer to this word puzzle. I'm not going to give you the answer until later in the sermon, like three quarters of the way through. And I know some of you are going to be tempted to think about nothing else. No, (laughs) No getting on your phone to find the answer. Um, no talking about it. You'll get the answer, I promise, and it'll make sense to you. And that's what's kind of cool about God's will. When it makes sense to you, and when you know, like, you can do it, you can at least get closer to doing it. And so the Bible talks about these six things. I have quite a bit of scripture in this Bible study today, and I've taken the liberty, and I hope you don't mind, I've copied and pasted from the internet. We'll open the Bible a couple times. You can turn to these scriptures, but for the sake of time, I thought it was wise because I do have so much. So the first thing that's God's will for you is that you be saved. If you don't know Jesus Christ today, if you've never stepped from being a person who is an unbeliever into being a believer, God's will for you is that you be saved. I think God's exclusive will for the unbeliever is that they would become believers. I don't think there's any other, it's not like he doesn't care about elements of your life, but the number one priority for you today, if you don't know Jesus Christ, when God looks down on your life, he sees somebody who doesn't yet know Jesus, who doesn't yet have the forgiveness of God, who doesn't yet have a promised home in heaven, and he looks at you and says, I love you, I sent my son to die for your sin. He rose from the dead three days later so you could have heaven. I did all of that for you. And nothing else matters to God. If you don't know Jesus today, nothing else matters to him except that you be saved. 2 Peter 3, 9 says, God's not slow concerning his promise, his promise to return. He's not slow about that. He's long-suffering or he's patient because he's not willing that any should perish, that any should not be in heaven with him. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God desires for you to be saved. If you don't know him today, the number one thought he has for you and toward you is that you be saved. And he's chasing you. That's why you're in church today because he's putting an opportunity in front of you to hear about his love and salvation. That's why you have 
Christian family, Christian friends. I know somebody who for at least 50 years, no matter where they live, no matter where they work, God puts Christian people in their lives. Christian people who love this person and share the gospel with them and pray for them and they know it. God's chasing them and he's chasing you. He's put things in your life. I can look back at my life and how the journey of my, my childhood and my early teen years before I came to Christ, how there's, there's pictures of where God was trying to pursue me aggressively. And he's pursuing you because he doesn't want anything for you but that you be saved. In 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4, it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people, for kings and for all who are in high positions, that we, we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of our, our God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For God so loved the world, his love is pouring out to the world. It's pouring out, it's pouring out. They may reject him and it still pours out. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, you need to be saved. You're like a drowning man in the ocean who can look at a seal and say, save me, seal can't save you. Could look at a seagull in the sky and say, seagull, save me can't save you. You need a human rescuer in that situation for your spiritual life. You need a spiritual rescuer who can forgive your sins and who can give you heaven. And that's Jesus. And God's will for you today is that you be saved. And then once you know him, like most of us in this room, once you know him, his will for you is that, first of all, that you be spirit-filled. Ephesians 5, 17 and 18 say, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And there are so many things that can control your life and thinking, besides even wine. And the emphasis of this is that the Christian is not supposed to be dominated by influences outside of the Spirit. They're to be dominated by the Spirit. We're to be filled with the Spirit. We are to consult the things of the Spirit in order to live and walk in step, live like and walk in step with God. God's will is that you be filled with the Spirit. And there's so many different things that can control your thinking and your living. And of course, thinking leads to living. The Christian is dominated by the things of the Spirit, and that's God's will for us. If you have your Bible, open up to 1 Thessalonians 4. We will actually take the time to look at a couple. So God wants us saved, and once we're saved, he wants us spirit-filled. And once we're spirit-filled, he wants us sanctified. What's it mean to sanctify before we read the scripture? Sanctify is a process for the Christian by which we live our lives according to how God has formed, framed, called and saved us to live those lives. One of my favorite TV shows, it just makes me smile the whole way through. Uh, it's, it's not on anymore, but you can watch. Well, it's kind of on, but it's not. What does that mean? So like, you can still see the episodes and they've changed the name, but Top Gear, the British Top Gear, there's American Top Gear. It's good. 
but it's not as awesome as British Top Gear, which was the number one show in the world for like a few years. And so they had this, they do these, they're car guys, and so they'll look at cool cars and race cool cars and have other people race cool cars, but then they do these funny kind of projects that, that always are oriented towards automobiles. And one of them was they had to take automobiles and convert them somehow or another into a train. So they took a Jag, all right? They, um, it was an older Jag, it was an XJS, so it's like the, it's like the luxury sedan model and just really, really nice car and took that and they made that the locomotive. It didn't work really well. Then they took RV trailers and made those into the cars. And they took like train executives, <laughs> I forgot about this part last service. They took executives from a train company and put them on the car so they could review what was going on. Well, it was a disaster, of course. Um, uh, things are falling apart. The Jag couldn't get traction on the train tracks. On and on it goes, and it's just, you know what they're, you know what they're not doing? They're not sanctifying the Jag. They're not sanctifying the RVs. They're not using them for their intended purpose. And so it's funny on a car show. It's disappointing in the life of a Christian. For this is the will of God, verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 4. For this is the will of God, just comes straight out, clearly declares. This is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger of all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. For God has not called us to impurity but holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you and sanctification is about us being pure. The pure use of a Jaguar XJ is to drive it like a car and enjoy its luxury. The pure exercise of a Christian life is that we be pure. And the whole wide world is pushing back against God's holiness. And we're still called. We're still called. The standard hasn't changed. His call is to be holy because I am holy. We cannot allow ourselves to compromise and go into the position of being less than what God has called us to be. And he calls us to be sanctified. Turn over to 1 Peter 2. Because he's also called us to be submissive. I feel like probably everybody in the room at one time or another, whether it was in your childhood, teen years, young adult, adult, older adult, at one time or another, at least, have been under the authority of a bad leader. Like we know what bad leaders are, right? We know that somebody who's abusive or unkind or unjust, bad leader, a, a leader who's indifferent, a leader who's serves their own needs above anybody else's. We know what bad leaders are. Look, if you're a leader, please, for the love of all that's good, be a good leader. 
But this is calling us to be good followers. Chapter 2, verse 13 to 15. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him. By the way, the emperor at the time of the writing of this letter by Peter was Nero, who burned Christians at the stake to light his gardens. Uh, let's see, verse 14. Or the governor sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God, uh, continuing on to verse 16. There are bad leaders out there. Please be a good leader, but there's bad followers too. You know what we call them in the NFL? Divas. Those guys on the team who just want their own way, the team's traveling at a certain speed and going on a certain trajectory, and they're, gonna, they're saying, nope, I'm going to be on this team according to my trajectory and according to my speed, and they're bad followers. And we look at that, I mention it, you kind of giggle. We're, they're divas. They don't show up good in the media. They don't show up good in the locker room. They might show up good on the field, and that's how they probably get away with it. But from the outside looking in, looking and reviewing what we would prefer people to behave like, that's not it. And Christian people are called to be good followers. Because good followers are good for the family. And good followers are good for the team. And good followers are good for the community. And good followers are good for the nation. And good followers are good for the world. Just like good leaders are. And so God says, it's, it's, it's my will that, that you be submissive, that you be a good follower. His will is also that you might suffer. If you look over the next chapter, starting in verse 13. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason of the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect." having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit. And the reason verse 18 is there is that certainly if Christ was expected to suffer, we might expect it's possible we would too. About 10 years ago, as a parent, I authorized that my son know who, how fun that I get to share a stage with a son um, up here playing guitar. I authorized his fear and anxiety over the possibility and the likelihood of his chest being sliced open and bone being broken in his chest and cartilage carved out. Thankfully, I also authorized that they'd sew him back up <laughs> after the corrective surgery he had on his chest. Followed by some recovery and some rest, missing time with friends, missing some school, I authorized that he might suffer 
from this side of it, and even from the front when we knew what was going on, it made a lot of sense. To him, I think it was confusing and challenging. And that's how suffering can be sometimes. And we don't always have God's perspective on it. We can't see the evidence of what is taking place when we suffer. We don't always understand it, but God will use our suffering for our good. And that promise is all through the Bible, whether it's about Joseph, whether it's Romans 8, God uses it for our good. And so if we're saved, if we're spirit-filled, if we're sanctified, submissive, if we're possibly suffering through all of our days, through all of our moments, through all of our years, we should also be saying thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all things, for this is the will of God concerning you. Give thanks in all things. All things. The unpleasant, the pleasant, the blessings, the difficulties, the challenges, the suffering. Yes, give thanks in all circumstances. This is God's will. And I think there's a couple reasons why. One, when we're thankful in all things, we're showing that we believe God's in control. But gratitude is, is, is the anti-complaining step. It's the anti-criticism. It's the anti-pessimism. Gratitude is a blessing for you. It's a blessing for anybody you're grateful for. It's a blessing between you and God. God says, say thanks in all those circumstances. But there's some things that God's will is not. By the way, I, I moved these a little bit, so we couldn't correct all the lesson sheets. Um, but, perfect. Okay, the cheat screen is new, you guys. There's a cheat screen back there. Did you know that? You can look if you've never seen it. And so, like, it's a little bit different. And so, sorry, that's what that glance was. Sorry, edit it. Edit that out of the video. Okay. Um, <laughs> so I've cha- I, 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 I moved the order of these. Hopefully you can track with it. The first thing God's will is not, it's not conjuring. It's not magic. It's not magic for you. There's, there's, there's not a formula where if you do God's will, like there's streams of blessings. It, it, the None of the, it just says, do God's will. Just do it. It, it. God's holding it out. It's what he wants for you. Do God's will. In Acts chapter eight, Simon the magician saw the disciples come around and uh, pray over some guys who received the Holy Spirit. And apparently there were some manifestations going on. And he said, hey, I want that. Can I buy that? And he's told me your silver and gold perish with you. What he wanted, he, he wanted God's will to be magic for him, to get some sort of glory, to get some kind of profit, to get some kind of benefit. And that's not how we approach God's will. Maybe you're blessed, maybe you're not. Maybe you'll suffer. And I think, you know, Pastor Bruce will make mention lately because it has kind of been a thing of kind of celebrity ministers declaring that they're walking away from the faith. Why do people walk away from the faith? Here's why I think it wasn't magic for them. They did certain things. Maybe they lived righteously. Maybe they gave sacrificially. Maybe they served consistently. 
And they thought by doing so, God owed them. And when he didn't come through the way they thought, they turned their, way, their back on God. God's will is not magic. It's also not comfortable. Do you remember, if you're anywhere near my age, do you remember where air conditioning on your car was an option? Or, you know, I did this a few sermons ago, but if I say to you, two, four, five, seven, nine, eleven, and 13, those are? Those are all the TV channels. And if I wanted to change it, I'd have to get up, <laughs> turn the dial. God's not interested in you being comfortable. And in America, I think it's become like we, we think comfort is some kind of divine right. And we're just pushing and pushing to more and more comfort. I don't think there's any wrong, anything wrong with being comfortable. Just understand, it's not God's will for your life. It's not God's will that you have four TVs in your house and you can watch TV comfortably on a Sunday morning, watch church, drinking coffee, and sitting in your pajamas. Now, it's okay that you're doing that, but God isn't holding that out as something he desires for you. And he's not desiring that everything about the Christian life be easy. When Jesus got serious with the disciples, he said, hey, if you guys are going to follow me, hey, this, this has been cool for, for several months now, but if you want to be serious about following me, you're going to have to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Does that sound like comfort? Jesus didn't leave, live a life of comfort. Neither, neither did Paul, neither did Peter, or any of the other disciples. In James, we're told, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kind, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. You know we're headed for driverless cars. Wired Magazine said that dri uh, uh, driverless cars have gone from being probable to inevitable. That's our culture. That's America. And comfort isn't necessarily God's will for your life. And, then I, and, and this fits all of this, but it's just important to understand, God's will is not customizable. The diva is traveling according to their speed and at their trajectory. Christian people come under God's will to travel at his speed and at his trajectory. We're not inviting him into this. We call it a personal relationship so that he can travel at our speed and our trajectory. In Matthew 6, verse 10, part of the, the, the Lord's prayer, he says, your will, he's praying to God, your will be done, your kingdom come. King James, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, not my will be done and my kingdom come. But people want and expect God to kind of fit his program into theirs. There's a little phrase that's going around some Christian circles where people will say, honestly, with a straight face, well, that's not my truth. And they're making truth subjective. They're making God's will subjective to their personal opinion, their personal preference, their comfort, their convenience. And God's not customizing his will 
according to how you feel, according to how you personally might think about something. How can we see the kingdom of God here on this earth? Your will be done. Your kingdom come on earth just like it comes in heaven. I don't know all what that means, but I do think it means two things. I think, first of all, your kingdom on earth, just like in heaven, means Jesus is Lord. That means I don't have rights in front of him. He tells me what's good, right, true, and how to live this life. Jesus is Lord in heaven. Your kingdom come. He's, he's Lord in the kingdom of God. He needs to be Lord on earth. In my life. And then I think the other thing that is going on in heaven right now. Where we can make his kingdom happen here just like it is in, in heaven. Is it's, it's being populated by believers. We bring heaven and God's will to earth by sharing the gospel, by bringing people with us. If you look at the word puzzle, how many of you think the letter is N? It's okay, raise your hand. The letter is E, or thought, because I, I told you it was E already, didn't I? Oh, it's E. Okay, but here's the important thing. Why? Listen. Look at that and listen. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. Isn't knowing why? Like, just awesome to know why. So like, why in the world does God call Christian people? It's simple to look at. It's not easy to live out. It's simple to write on a piece of paper. It's not easy to live out. Why does he call us to his will? It's so that his will would be done so that his kingdom would come. Your life The Bible calls you an ambassador. Our lives, we're representatives of the kingdom of God. And you might be insecure or doubtful about that, but that's what the Bible says you are. And to be that, to, to be proper representatives of God, we have to align with his will. It can't be my, I'm not representing me to the world. I'm representing the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who wants to rescue people from hell. And God calls us into his will so that we would be good representatives. So how in the world do you do this? You have to be intentional. It does, it's not infectious. God's will isn't going to get off on you because you sit by a pastor in the church. You're not going to float into God's will. You, as a, as a responsible person, have to take initiative. You have to be intentional. And that's what we saw in Ephesians 5.17, the first thing you have to do is find God's will. You have to do that. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. In verse 10, it says in the same chapter, it says, find out what's pleasing to the Lord. And see, maybe you're not like me, but my orientation is to go through every day figuring out what's pleasing to me. And so I have to fight against that and I have to be intentional and I have to counteract that by figuring out what God's will is. I have to find that. But number two, I have to follow it. That takes intention too. I'm gonna find God's will about what it means to be a Christ follower, to be a Christian man or woman, to be a Christian spouse, a parent, a child, a boss, an employee, a minister, a witness, how to speak, how to work, how to lead, how to relax, how to succeed, how to forgive, how to love. I got to find that and then I got to go do it. There aren't options here. Romans 12, one and two says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your body as a living sacrifice. What am I sacrificing? My will. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing of it you may discern what is the will of God. Your will will be tested. Your determination to follow God's will will be tested. I showed you some fun and not too challenging obstacle illusions. You pass the test, it feels like you can go on to the next one. It feels like you can go on to the next one. You're going to hit tests. You're going to hit suffering. It's, it's, it, use it as a test. Get through it by the grace of God. Get through it with the power of God. Get through it with the Holy Spirit because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Get through it with your determination to be sanctified. You stumble, you fall. Get up again. That's the third thing. You're going to find and follow God's will. Follow it faithfully. Just keep going. Don't let Satan have the victory because you stumbled because God isn't pounding you when you're down there on the ground. He's coming over and saying, let me help you up. Let's keep moving forward. He's just got to keep moving. But be doers of the word, James says, and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror and forgets who he is. But the one who looks into the perfect law of liberty and perseveres. Why is the word there? Because hearing and doing the word requires perseverance. That's why it's there. God's gifting us with the instruction. For the one who perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Your blessing is by hearing and doing. And you hear and do, you pass the test, you're going to hear and do some more. And God calls all of us into the room into this lofty life where we get to. Like he looks at you and says, I want you to be part of it. He looks at you and says, I want you to be part of my will. I want you to be part of bringing people into the kingdom of God. I want you to be part of elevating the lordship of Jesus Christ in this world. What, are you kidding me? And a verse like Paul wrote where he says he uses the weak of this world and the foolish of this world to confound the wise and the strong. I mean, that's all of us. Because none of us are worthy of participating in this. And God looks at us anyway and says, my will for you. Come on. 
make my will and my kingdom part of what you participate in, and it's awesome. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, my prayer, our church's prayer for you is that that first thing about what God's will is would be realized in your life. That you would cross that line of faith where you say, I can't, I can't do this. I can't find my way into forgiveness. I can't buy my way into heaven. I can't earn my way into heaven. I need a savior. And Jesus steps in and says, I'll forgive you. And I'll take you to heaven. But you, you have to believe that the work he does is what you need. And if you're a Christian person, look, every single one of us in here have, have blown it. We, we've stumbled, we've fallen. And, and still God's like, come on, get up. Let's go, let's go forward. Let's, let's go, let's learn, let's grow. Let's move toward the mark. And so in a sermon that has so many points, and I know there was a lot, and I appreciate you guys listening so well. If you're a believer, one or two probably just really cut you to the heart. Just really really spoke to you and, and, and the spirit. And the second, we're going to just pray that, that, that God would help us no matter where we are. If you're not saved, would you pray? Would you participate in one of the promises of God? God says, if you seek me and you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. Maybe you don't know him yet. Could you just, God, help me to see how real your salvation is. And just with a a pure, earnest heart, beg it. Because look, here's what's on the line. According to what the Bible says, if you don't know Jesus, when you die, you're not going to heaven. If you're not with him now, you won't be with him then. So it's important. Just God, please be real to me. Help me. I'm genuinely seeking you. And if I can help you with that, if any of the pastors can help you with that, would you please just on, on the connection card, just put your name and there's a checkbox on there. Like, I, I want to know what it means to be a believer. We'll help you. We won't manipulate you. We won't force you anything. We'll just show you the truth of God's word. And then if you're a believer in, in one of those two or three things, could you bow your heads, just everybody in the room and just respond to God right now. Could you just tell him, God, Thank you for revealing this to me this morning. Help me. And God, we do, we just, we lift up and elevate your will. For the person in here who might not know you, who where the gospel is, is, confusing or even confounding, I I just pray that in sincerity, anybody in here who's confused about that would just pray, God, Jesus, please reveal who you are to me. And then for those of us who know you, certainly one or two things came to the forefront of our mind by by the grace of your spirit who leads and guides us. And Lord, we need your help. It's our normal human inclination to want to go our own way. But may the prayer of our heart be, your will be done and your kingdom come. 
We love your word here at Crosspoint. We're just so grateful for how you lead, guide, and direct. And we pray that that leadership and that guidance would go forward in front of us and that we would just align with it, going at your speed and at your trajectory every day. And we can't do it without you. So thanks for empowering us so much. And uh, we love you today. In Jesus' name, amen.